Awesome. So um, somebody said to me this week, they said, Pastor Tony, you're preaching, right? I saw the title of the sermon, and since it was about kids, I just figured it was you. Bingo. That's exactly what's happening. So I was thinking, uh, one of the toughest things I feel like is when Pastor Burgraff asks us to preach, one is, uh, I'm like, well, what do you want us to preach? Whatever you pick. Oh, great. That, that kind of narrows it down. Thank you very much. And I was thinking, what can I preach that's not just a, hey, let's go way apart from everything we've been talking about, but what could fit? We've been stressing the last several weeks that we need to be sharing the gospel with those around us. And I thought this is an awesome opportunity for me to share something that's a heartbeat of mine, to share the gospel with children. And as I was preparing this morning, I started to think to myself, what are some of the other things that we share with children? So whether it's good or bad, here's some of the things that I know you have probably shared with a child in your life, especially if you're a parent. First of all, a smartphone. I remember a few years ago asking a mother, I said, hey, I see the screen on your phone is cracked. What happened? Well, it's the third time my child has dropped my phone. And my next question was, why do you keep giving it to them? Right? And then I had another parent say, yeah, they've dropped three of my phones in the toilet, actually. Okay, well, if you want, you can spare, I mean, share your really expensive smartphone with your toddler, right? How many of you have ever seen somebody, they're grocery shopping and their toddler is carrying their really expensive smartphone, right? Okay, how many of you, like me, would admit I have done that before, right? Okay, here we go, ready? Next thing, we often share a water bottle, like the plastic water bottle. A few weeks ago, Christina and I took Eden to this place uh, to get some cinnamon buns down near um, Lancaster. Cineholic is what it's called. And we're sitting there eating, and, and she's loving this cinnamon roll. And she says, Daddy, can I have a drink of your water? And I said, sure, go ahead. And she took the water bottle. How many of you have ever seen a kid drink out of a water bottle, right? You don't really know how much they actually take in but you can clearly see how much goes back into the water bottle, right? And she finishes and she sets it down and I just stared at it. And she goes, Daddy, do you want a drink? And I said, well, I was going to get another one, honey. Why don't you go ahead and keep this one? All those little floaties in there. How many of you have ever experienced that as a parent, right? And then it's like, what do I love more, the water bottle or my child? I love the water bottle more. Okay, here's one, right? How many of you have ever shared a bed with a child? Oh, right? That's exactly what I thought you would say. Like, there's that beautiful part of it sometimes as a parent. And I know some of you, you say, we never did. Sometimes as a parent, you wake up and you're holding your child and they're just sound asleep. And, you know, they're laying on your chest. So you can feel that breathing and it's awesome. And then the next night you wake up and their feet are on your side of the bed, right? Like up in your nose. Or Christina ended up sleeping with Eden last night for a little bit of the night. She was having a problem. And she said, Tony, my back is so sore. I can't move. I tried to sneak away a few times. And just when I thought I got far enough away, this hand out of nowhere clasped it on the arm and pulled her back. Right? How many of you have had that experience of sharing the bed with a child, right? And it's kind of like it's roulette. You don't know what you're going to end up with. Then there's this one. It sounds weird, but you're spit. Okay. As a kid, I, yeah, as a kid, right? You're just getting ready to go in church. And mom says, there's something on your face. Let me get it for you. Right? You know, you know what I mean? And you hear that sound. There's no sound to it, but you hear like this. And you see the thumb coming towards you and you're like, this isn't right. And as a kid, you say to yourself, I will never do that to my child when I grow up. I remember the first time I did that, I went, yeah, <laughs> right? I was like, yeah, it's not as bad when you're on the other side of it. But there's things that we share with our children. Some of you, you share money, and you keep sharing money and money and money. That happens. We share our fandom. You have a team that you have loved growing up. Some of you, you are devoted to... Okay, I'm not this way. My dad loves the Vikings. He did not share that with me. Okay? And that's fine. 
Oh, thank you. And so, but, but like you share that with your children, right? Or you have a team you love because your parent did. We share our hobbies. You played sports, you would love your children to play sports. And sometimes they're not as invested as you and sometimes they are. Or whatever the hobby may be. We share our family traditions. But let me encourage you this morning, whether you are a parent, whether you are an adult, whether you are a person, we should definitely share the gospel with children. We shouldn't just look and say, God didn't gift me with children yet. It doesn't matter. We, Christians, this is what I mean when I say we. I don't mean Faith Baptist Church as a whole, because believe me, we will share the gospel with children. I'm encouraging each one of you individually as a human being to say it is my responsibility to share the gospel with children. And by children, I'm probably going to be focusing more on younger children this morning. But whatever principles we talk about, you can take these same principles and apply them to children of all ages, all the way up through 99, 100, 120, whatever it may be. But when I think about children, there's got to be children in your life that you interact with, right? Some of you are parents. Some of you are grandparents. Some of you are going to be grandparents. Some of you are coaches. Some of you are teachers. Some of you have kids who bring their friends to your house. Some of you, there are children in your neighborhood. Around all of us, we, as human beings, as Christians, should share the gospel with children. And this morning, I want to pose to you three questions. In, in doing this, this concept, in doing what God has called us to do, to share the gospel with children, let's look at three questions this morning. First question being this, why should we share the gospel with children? Now, many of you know, we live in an area, and, there, and there's this thought, and I've run into it when I've been teaching different areas, where they say, look, kids are sinners, but they're not condemned by God. Kids are sinners, but they just, they don't know enough yet. There's an age of accountability. If you can point out to me a verse in the Bible that says there's an age of accountability, I would love to find it, because I haven't yet. That's a whole part of this discussion that we won't deal with exactly today. But if you want to talk about it, I would love to talk about it with you. But this question itself, why should we share the gospel with children? I think there's several reasons why. First of all, because children are born sinners. Whether we would like to say that, well, they're not held accountable until they're older. Look, the Bible says children are born as sinners. It says this in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, even children. They're part of that all. I haven't found that all to be just an exclusive group. I found it to be everybody. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says that sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. So death passed on spread to all men because again, all have sinned, including children. Now look, if my parents were here this morning, they would probably claim that I was the perfect child. So let me take this moment, okay? Dad, Mom, if you are watching the live stream and you want to text right now to confirm that you would say I'm the perfect child, I will get that text and I will let everybody know. (sighs) Anyway, even if they would claim that to be true, I know it's not true. Becky was the perfect one, not me. No, hey, look, when I was a kid, I had the problems. And I thought back to to myself this morning. I was thinking, did my parents ever sit me down and say, okay, Tony, we need to teach you something very important. We need to teach you how to lie. We need to teach you how to cheat, how to steal. I didn't have those discussions with my parents. I had the opposite discussions. In fact, with my siblings, I remember one time, I remember one time, I'm shamed about this. I remember getting so angry at my brother while I was babysitting him that I took him on the couch and I held him down. And I don't know what I was thinking next, but so angry, like pushing him and shaking him and thinking, I'm going to get in trouble when mom and dad come home. They never taught me to do that. I remember in fourth grade, this was, this was my, my method, okay? We had these quizzes. And I remember thinking to myself one time, 
if I just shift in my seat like this, the teacher won't know that I suddenly got much taller. <laughs> right? My parents didn't sit me down and be like, hey, you got a quiz tomorrow? Let's teach each other how to cheat. Let me show you what I did. It doesn't happen that way. I remember being at Pastor Binkley, Earl Binkley's house playing football, and I got so angry, my dad pulled me aside. And he said, look, we got to talk about this. And I remember him telling me for the rest of the time I played sports, if anger becomes an issue for you, you're not going to play sports anymore. I don't care what the coach says, I'm going to pull you out. He's mentioned that before. Look, nobody taught me how to do that. I remember my cousin, oh, Christina has this devotional, right? And she recommended it. She said, it's really good. It's called Gospel Meditations for Mothers. It's part of a series. And yesterday we were talking, and on day 21, here's what it encourages parents to read about, these mothers. Here's the verse it says, read Psalm chapter 51, verse 5 says this. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Here's the title of this devotional. Adorable little pagans. Right? (laughs) And he goes on to say, here's some things to remember. First, your child came into the world as a sinner. She's a pagan. Second, your child needs to be born again. There is hope for your little rebel. And then this last one. This is, this is really convicting. Think about this. Your child will live somewhere forever. And it's only one of two places. From the moment they were conceived, they're around forever. Where will that be? I remember my cousin. I worked with him for a little bit when I was in seminary. And he referred to his daughter as his little sinner. And at first I was like, what? why would you call her that? And he said, well, she is. Yeah, that's right. I remember the first time I referred to Preston that way, and Christine was like, nope, it stops here. No, we're not calling him our little sinner. It's true, but we don't need to tell him that he is yet. He, he's like a week old, Tony. <laughs> Look, children are born as sinners. That's what God's word says. They're born as sinners. Here's what it says, too. The wages for that sin, what they deserve for that sin is death, separation from God forever. So when I pose this question to you, why should we share the gospel with children? One of the reasons is simply that God says they're born as sinners. They need the gospel. They need to be reconciled to Jesus Christ. Here's another reason. Because children are important to God. They're very important to God. God created them, right? We could just stop there. But let's keep going. For God so loved the world, even the children in the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, even the children in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God loves the world, everyone in the world, enough that he sent his one and only son to stand in their place to suffer the punishment for their sins, saying, this is my love. Instead of sending a rescue to redeem my son from the cross, I will send all of my wrath on him in your place. Jesus did that for kids too. We also have this verse. It's one of my favorite words in the Bible. He is the propitiation for our sins. It shows up once, but it means so much. But not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. All those who will ever, have ever been born. All of us alive today, including children. Let those children come to me. Do not hinder them. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. We're familiar with this story. Many times when we talk about, can kids really believe in God? Can kids not? At what age do they finally believe who God is? Can they be offered salvation? We turn to this passage, but really, here's the principle I want to look at here. The idea that kids are important to Jesus. He's sitting there with his disciples nearby, and children, younger children, are being brought to him, and he sees the disciples saying to them, hey, no, 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 no time for kids. 
He's got other more important things. This is what we assume was happening. Jesus looks at them, and he is irate, is one version that says it that way. And he says to them, he rebukes them, saying, do not tell them to go away. Instead, bring them to me. I want to be with them. I want them to be with me. And in fact, I want you to know that the faith of a child, this believing, this trust that they have, is what I want each one of you to have about what I am saying in regards to the kingdom. How many of you would say that kids are sometimes gullible? Right? Okay, how many of you would say that when I was a child, you, you were, how many of you would say that about yourself, that when you were a child, you were gullible at least once? Twice? Three times? I'm just going to keep going and see how long people put their hands. Look, God says these children, they have a faith where I'm saying this to them. They're believing it. That's the kind of faith that he is saying we need to have, a trust in who Jesus is. They were important to them. He, he wanted them to be with him. He used them as an illustration But why else do we share the Bible, share the gospel specifically, the story of salvation with children? Because, excuse me, children are impressionable. So as a kid, I had a lot of heroes, people I wanted to be like. First of all, I wanted to be like Joe Montana. And I did like the 49ers, Chris, just so you know. At one point in my life, I did, okay? And I loved watching those quarterbacks do that quarterback challenge. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, they would have like the Pro Bowl and all the good quarterbacks would show up and they'd set up like an obstacle course and they'd have to throw the ball. There would be things out in in front of them moving around. They'd get points if they hit the targets. And I thought, I can do that. If Joe Montana can do this, then I as a nine-year-old can do this too. How hard can it be? And I remember setting up a pool ladder and a rake that I had to run and I had to duck under. And I remember setting up some stuff I had to run around. And I remember saying to my brother and my sisters, look, I need to throw at a moving target. (laughs) No, no, not them. It wasn't them. I gave them a rake. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) Carry this rake and just walk back and forth. No, you're not doing it right. I would have hit it if you were doing it right. I remember when I got older, I wanted to play baseball. And I thought, Ken Griffey Jr., man, if I can hit the ball left-handed, I can't hit it right-handed or left-handed. It doesn't matter. But I remember thinking, if I could catch the ball like he could, I could get guys out all the time. And so I practiced this same thing. I would run at the wall, you know, and I'm, yeah, and I'm catching. And then my dad comes out. He's like, Tony, why is the siding breaking? Do you have any idea what's going on? You know, that's a great question. It might have been, no, I can't say it was Becky. Yeah, it was me. You know, and you have these these people that as a kid, and some of you even think, if I could have this talent and I could be like this individual, think about it. How many of you would say that your kids play sports like someone they've seen on TV, right? Does that happen? Or you think to yourself, if I could speak like this person, or you're helping in a class, if I could only do it like that person did. Kids are the same way. They pick a role model. They try to imitate them. They're extremely impressionable. Here's what the Bible says. You, as a parent, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Again, not a promise saying that if you tell your child the truth, they will never walk away from it. But the principle of be training them, consistently be training them in God's word so that when they are older, they know how to apply that to their lives. Be teaching them the gospel. Impress upon them their need for salvation. Impress upon them just the severity of their situation. Not so that you scare them, but so that they recognize the love of Jesus Christ and they're willing to accept that. Train up a child in the way they should go. That's why we at this church have our children's worship service. One reason we started was so that we would have more space, so, so that we didn't feel compacted together with the children. But also so that we could sit and talk with the kids and say, here's one way that you can worship God through an offering. Here's a way you can worship God through 
your song. Here's a way that we can worship God by playing a game to learn more about who he is. Here's why we can sit and say, let's talk about a different name of God every week for a year and a half so that you know more about who he is so that you can become more like him. That's why we have ministries like the Sing and Shout Choir. To impress upon the children that God has gifted them with talents to be able to use to worship him. To be able to sing back to him. So that last week we could do that presentation, which was really good. And have the opportunity for kids to invite family to clearly share the gospel with them. That's why we have Calvary Clubs. That's why we say to you as a parent, we will put a tool in your hand that you can use to share the gospel with your child. To disciple your child. I love when kids give their testimonies when they share how they got saved, when I have the opportunity to sit down with them or to talk with them before their baptism, and when I hear kids say, well, I was working through Calvary Clubs at home with my mom and dad, and I realized I'm a sinner. And they helped me realize what that means for me, and they helped me pray to get saved. That's what we're supposed to be doing. They're impressionable. We're not saying they're gullible. I'll feed them everything, and I'll I'll brainwash them. That's not what we're doing. We're helping them see who they are in relation to Jesus Christ, and that's what we do with the gospel. So that's another reason why we should share the gospel with children. Here's another. Because children can be used by God. Children can be used by God. There's many stories in the Bible. Let me just point this one out to you. This is the story of Naaman. Remember him? Super important guy. He gets leprosy. He had already been fighting for the king and he had conquered many areas. And he brings back this servant girl from the land of Israel. And Naaman was a leper. A little girl, the servant girl, said to her mistress, to his wife, to her master, so to speak, if only my master could go to Israel and meet with the prophet. Now, I'm not saying that in this passage she shared the gospel with this man. But I'm saying that God used her. Did he not? To be able to help somebody connect with someone who could help them. She just shared what she knew. She's like, this guy can help you. And kids can do that too. In fact, I think this is true. That saved children often seek to share Jesus with their family and friends. I remember when I first got saved, I wanted to tell everybody I knew. I don't know that I have that same desire as I used to, that same zeal. And that's a shame on me. But I know many kids do. In fact, here's some stories over the last few weeks of kids in our church who've been doing this. There was a girl just this last week. A mother came to me and said, can you help me find a track? My daughter was witnessing to her friend on the bus. And she said that her friend told her, you know what? This makes sense to me now. I think I'm going to go home and pray. And can we talk about it again tomorrow? A girl. She's She's not a theological scholar. She's sharing what she knows because she loves this person that she's speaking to. There are two sisters who have been bringing friends to Calvary Clubs. And I feel like every time they're able to make it to Calvary Clubs this last year, they have somebody with them. And we had a big uh, emphasis several times throughout the year where we shared salvation very clearly. And I remember several times after those messages, the kids, these girls would come up and they'd say, Pastor Tony, she's not saved. She needs to get saved. Can you help her get saved? Almost like a, she needs this now. She better do it because we're not going to take her home if she doesn't. (laughs) Right? But there was a passion there. And I remember sitting down with one of their friends talking and her friend was like, I, I just, I haven't heard this before. The child didn't expound upon everything God had ever said, but said, I want to connect you with somebody who can help, but I know this is what I'm supposed to be doing. There's a girl that I know for a number of years has regularly at her daycare. She comes to me and she's like, hey, so-and-so prayed to get saved. I prayed with so-and-so. Now again, though a child doesn't know everything, does that mean the child's really saved? Look, that's part of the process of salvation. Here's another one. This one was my son. 
We mentioned to him that we're going to be going uh, with one of the missions trips this summer to help in Arizona. We were asked to go with. And immediately when we told him that, that we'd be going and, and we might go into the backyards and help share the story of the gospel, he said, Eden, Eden, come here. We've got to go practice right now. We've got to come up with a place so that we can tell these kids what they need to do to get saved. And I said, well, Preston, that is awesome. I love your zeal. You'll probably be one of the kids listening, okay, instead of the kids helping. The teens are going to do it. Yeah, but if they don't want to, I can definitely do it for them. <laughs> and I was like, well, well, that's kind of the purpose of this trip, but it's good to know that you're on the back burner just in case. There was a girl that came to me a few weeks ago after a Wednesday night. We were talking about being a missionary during the month of March. And she sat down. And she said, Pastor Tony, can, can you come here? I have a question. And she was really quiet. And she said, how can I be a missionary? Like, what do I have to do between now and when I'm grown up to be a missionary? And I said, you don't have to do anything between now and when you're grown up. You can be a missionary now. Really? I would love to tell my friends about Jesus. She came back to me a few weeks ago and she held up this bracelet and she said, hey, check this out. And when kids do that to me, I'm like, oh no, what, do, what have I missed? And she held it up and it said, I'm all in. And I said, what, what's that for? She goes, I got baptized, right? To her, it was like, I got baptized, I'm all in. I'm telling all my family about Jesus. I got a chance to stand up in front of people and tell everybody that I'm part of his family. There was a boy, a parent told me that their child last week came to them, came running inside, had been outside playing with the neighbor girls, ran inside and said, mom, mom, you will not believe this the girls next door they don't think that they can get saved they said they have to wait till they're like 13 or 14 years old to get saved i'm younger than them i already got saved and baptized why would they think that that is zeal it's like they need to know the truth i need to tell them children are impressionable we teach them who god is they accept that they want to tell other people that's another reason why we should be sharing the gospel with children Second question, though, that I want to talk about now. Why do we hesitate to share the gospel with children? This could be with anybody, but even specifically with children. Okay? There's a few reasons. These aren't all the reasons. And I understand why people would make these statements. I'm not excusing them for saying this or feeling this way. I'm just saying I understand why these statements could be made. One is because we lack experience. And I get that. Some of us have never shared the gospel one-on-one with somebody before. In fact, let me ask it this way, not to embarrass anybody, but how many of you have ever had the opportunity to witness to a child one-on-one? Okay, right? Not all of us have had that opportunity. Here's another question. If a child came to you and said, what do I need to do to get saved? How many of you would say, let's go see Pastor Tony? Right? And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes we say to ourselves things like this. Someone else can do it better, therefore I won't. We won't say it exactly that way, but we think it that way. And they came to ask me questions. You know what? I'm just going to, why don't you ask your mom and dad when you get home? <laughs> Which moms and dads, by the way, this is my way to say thank you to you. I love when kids come to me with these really off-the-wall questions or hard questions, and they're like, yeah, so I was talking with my mom and dad today, and they said, yeah, you should go ask Pastor Tony that question. You know what I love saying in that, when they do that? You know, I'll give you a little bit of an answer, but then you go back and ask mom and dad. Anyway. I love that dialogue back and forth. But if we start hiding behind this idea of somebody else, they they can do it. But no, no, don't see somebody else. Look for somebody else. Yeah, you should be available because you're better at it than me. That's wrong. Well, they're going to learn it at school. Or they'll learn it at church, right? Let me point you to one verse in the Bible. This one's specifically for you parents. Proverbs 127 verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage, a gift to you. Not necessarily to everybody, but to you from the Lord. You 
parents have been given the responsibility to steward your child. An ambassador for Jesus Christ to your child. It's cool to teach our kids to grow up to be nice, to be a good citizen, to have a good education. But why in the world would you want your child to grow up? Yeah, somebody else will teach them about Jesus. It's our responsibility to teach children, our children, parents, about who Jesus is. Look at this graph, if you had to break it down. And I know there's, there's faults in this graph, okay? It doesn't explain all of someone's time. This is your child's week, 168 hours. Look how much time they spend at church. 3% of their week. 17% of their week is spent at school. 80% of that week, and this is where I think we fill it in a little bit differently, is somehow in your care or what you choose them to do. Now look, if we sit back and say, my child will learn about Jesus at their Christian school, that might happen, but is that the purpose of what God has, is that the purpose of education? Is a Christian school supposed to solely be responsible for evangelizing your child? Now look, if your child comes to church and all we do every single service is talk about the gospel, that's only 3% of their week. And I mean this in a good way. I don't mean this in a bad way. We don't only teach your children the gospel here at Faith Baptist Church. We teach that, but that's not the only thing we teach. So to look back and say, well, someone else will do it better. They'll get it at school. They'll get it at church. Let me share for you, word for word, some quotes that I've heard over the years. I have had the opportunity to speak at several schools over the last few years at a chapel. And I remember sharing the gospel very clearly, just laying it out, a salvation presentation to the children. And a teacher who had been at that school for years came up to me and said, you know what? That was nice. It's good for kids to be reminded about the gospel every now and then. I don't think the teacher meant it the way that I'm presenting it today. But I do know that there are some people who do believe that. Eh, just every now and then it's good for us to tell the kids. You know, there's lots of other things we should teach them. And it's just good now and then. A few years ago, somebody said to me, look, we were able to be at your Bible school. And we heard a presentation about the gospel. I haven't heard a salvation message shared with the kids at our church for years. I can't say how often they were there. And they probably weren't involved in every class. But for someone to say, our church doesn't even present the gospel to children, or to have that impression that it's not happening, we can't sit back and say, I depend upon the church. Well, but Pastor Tony, kids are involved in programs like Calvary Clubs and Awana and Truth Trackers and these, these other Wednesday night or Bible study programs. One girl that I talked with this last year, she was brought by those two siblings, and they said, she needs to get saved. And I sat and talked to her. I said, can you tell me, what do you know about Jesus she said, I go to Awana at a different church. And again, I am not knocking the other church or a program. Just because a kid is at church doesn't mean they're actually hearing what you're saying, okay? She said to me, I'm not sure who Jesus is and what he did for me. I've learned all these verses, but I don't understand what that has to do with Jesus. I'm not saying that church failed. I'm just saying for that child, which can happen with many children, we can present it, but that doesn't mean that it connects. So for us to sit back and say, as Christians, somebody else will talk to that kid. They go to a good church. Our church will present the gospel, but don't fully depend on someone else to present the gospel to that child who lives next to you, that you coach on a team, that you drive to school each day, that comes over with your child to visit, that you call grandchild, that you call son or daughter. We have the responsibility to be sharing the gospel with children. But sometimes we feel insecure. I get that. We feel insecure. I want to hear from you, though, okay? I will give you permission to talk in church, okay? 
What are some of the insecurities that we have about sharing the gospel with children? Or what do we worry about when sharing the gospel? What are some things that you might, that, that you could see people feeling? Anybody have a suggestion? Yeah, that's a good one. What are their parents teaching them at home? I don't, I don't really, I don't want to upset the apple cart. That's, that's true. Yes, ma'am. What if I confuse them even more? Which is a good thing to feel, but yet it shouldn't hold us back. What's something else? Anybody? Yeah, what if they're not interested? And they look at, you know, and, and now I'm trying to keep their attention and they don't really want anything to do with it. We can start piling up all these reasons why, eh, what if, what if, what if, the hypothetical. Our son lives in the hypothetical. And we as parents, that is a challenge to bring him back down. I don't want to go outside, Dad. What if there's a bee? Then there's a bee. <laughs> what if it comes at me? You're a lot bigger. You know, it's just, it's one of those, that happens all the time, right? <sighs> we allow fear to fester. And look, when I think of fester, and please, I'm not going to show you a nasty picture. I'm just, I'm using this as an illustration, Okay. We have this idea. In my mind, I, I think of fester. And it's like that article that you pull up and you just see the headline. Man suffering from flesh-eating disease. Warning graphic content. And you're like, nope. Yep. And you click on it and you're like, what was I thinking? And then you can't get it out of your mind. I did that this last week. And at this very moment, I am thinking about that picture in the art. Oh. But we have this insecurity. And what we do is we just latch onto it. And we can't stop thinking about it. And then it grows bigger. And bigger and bigger. And suddenly we're like, yeah, I am not meant by God to share the gospel with a child. I fully understand. And I, I get when people say, I'd rather talk to adults than teach a class of children. Because children can be honest. And we often say brutally honest. They're not trying to be brutal. They're just being honest in their mind. But that can, that can hold us back, right? We feel insecure. We let that fester. Here's an awesome verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For consider your calling, brothers. Paul has been talking about the gospel. And then he talks to people. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. Tony. But God chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose you. When you said, I want to be part of God's family, God said, cool, you're part of my family. Now go tell people you're part of my family. You be my ambassador to the world. Two children to adults, to your neighbor, to your coworker, to everybody you meet. You tell them about me because that's what you signed up for and I'm really glad you're here. We can be insecure, but we can also be secure in the fact that God says, I chose you to be my ambassador. So we lack experience. We feel insecure. We forget who really does the work. And I think this is truly one that we struggle with. We must feel a sense of responsibility when it comes to sharing the gospel. Even with children, we must feel a sense of responsibility. God has commanded us to share the gospel. Love, the way we feel about God, the way he feels about us, should compel us to share the gospel. We want people to know. We should feel a sense of responsibility, but we cannot. We must not feel solely responsible. God doesn't call us to save people. He says, you share the gospel, I'll do the saving. They might say no, but share anyway. They might not be interested, but you share. They might shoot you down, but you share. You might stumble through it, but you share. Somebody else might be better, but you share. And we often think, oh, there's all this other stuff. We're not told we have to save people. We're just told we have to tell them what it means to be saved. We forget who really does the work. 
But we should share the gospel, even with children. Third question. Third one to answer this morning. How should we share the gospel with children? I'm not saying this is a foolproof plan. I'm not saying follow these 10 points and boom, kids are going to come knocking down the doors of church. I'm not saying this will work with every child. I'm not even saying this is everything. Just a few suggestions, okay? Some suggestions. Remember to plan ahead. Even when it comes to sharing the gospel with adults, with other people, remember to plan ahead. Here's what I mean. Don't take this approach when it comes to sharing the gospel. I've heard it before. Yeah, so I could talk about it. I've watched someone else do it. Yeah, they they did it, so if they could do it, I could definitely do it. Don't take this approach. It's just a kid. It's no big deal. Don't hide behind that. God knows if they really meant it. They'll probably get saved again one day. Yeah, they're not going to be held accountable yet. Don't just say that. How hard could this really be? You know, it's a matter of life and death, but really how hard could it be? Imagine if we took that approach to events like this in our life, right? I remember going snorkeling uh, off the the Florida Keys, and uh, I remember that they said, look, we're going to take you out snorkeling in the middle of the ocean. Oh, okay, that's cool. And when we get out there, you won't be able to touch the ground. It's like, well, yeah, that makes sense, but okay, I hadn't thought about that before. So what we want you to do is practice in this little area. We've enclosed this area off the beach. And uh, there were some sunken items in there that you could swim around and you could check out. And I remember going out there thinking, how hard could this really be? And I was surprised how exhausted I became. And I know you are too, looking at me. I am the most physically trim, muscular man you've ever seen. Right? (laughs) Not. But I remember going out there swimming around and I was looking this way. And I turned my head this way and I went, that's a barracuda. That's an ugly looking fish. And those are sharp teeth. Why do they have us practicing near barracuda? Are there going to be barracudas out there? Because if there are, I don't know that I want to do this anymore. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to practice that thing where you swim away. Right? Which, by the way, if I could take a side note, that was the same trip that my dad went on. Remember that story he shared a few years ago where he said, I've never told anybody this, not even my family. Where he swam around holding another guy's hand for 10 minutes thinking it was my mom. Okay, let me clarify. I was in the water too, and I didn't swim around holding another man's hand thinking it was my wife for 10 minutes, okay? So apparently, planning ahead worked out for me a lot better than it did for him. All that to say, look, this is life and death stuff sometimes. No matter how expert, what your expertise is at this moment in your life, maybe you've been skydiving for years, awesome. At some point, you started And you took it serious and you planned ahead about what should I do? What if this doesn't work? What if, what if, what if, what if? Not being being paralyzed by the hypothetical, but planning just in case it happened. So when it comes to talking with kids, don't just sit back and say, yeah, but do this instead. Commit some verses or passages to memory. It's okay for us now, even though we're out of the kids' time where we learn a verse every week. We can still learn the Bible. We're allowed. It's okay. We should be doing it. We could do this. Write notes in your Bible. If you're saying, I don't want to write in my Bible, maybe grab a piece of paper and write on that paper and put it with your Bible. How many of you have a phone with you today? Right? Okay. How many of you have ever put any kind of note in your phone? Did you know you can do that with the gospel too? Yeah. You can put that in there because most of the time we have our phone with us unless we've given it to our toddler and they've dropped it in the toilet, right? But we have our phone with us. We could write ourselves a note, some reminders about what to talk about. Here's what I encourage you though. Wherever you're talking about it, reinforce the fact that this is God's word that says this. This isn't mom and dad. 
This isn't your neighbor friend. This isn't your coach. This is God, the creator of the universe, of you who says this to be true. Can I make a suggestion? I'll make it in a little bit. Know what kids need to know though, okay? Know what kids need to know. And again, I'm not saying this is foolproof. This is all of salvation, but here's some basics to know. In fact, does anybody know what this acronym stands for? Yeah, everybody kind of did this. Keep it simple. Nobody wants to say that word in church. Keep it simple. I'll be the one. Stupid. Pastor Art, how did you say it? Keep it, keep it short and sweet. There, that sounds better. Keep it short and sweet. Here we go. Ready? Make sure the kids understand that all have sinned. And the punishment for that sin, for their sin, is hell. Kids need to know that. That's part of the gospel, right? Kids should probably know this too. That even though you've sinned and God will punish you to hell, God loves you. That's why he sent Jesus to die in your place. Basically saying, here, you move aside, I'll do that for you. That's important for kids to know. That they need to now repent of their sins. To seek forgiveness. To say, God, I am sorry. Not only for what I've done, but for who I am. Will you please forgive me? And once that happens, we need to make sure kids know that they are forgiven. That they have a home with God in heaven. That they are part of his family. I shared the gospel about 10 or 11 years ago on a Wednesday night with the kids in, in church. And uh, a gentleman came up to me afterwards. And he said, hey, hey, I need you to wait, Tony. He said, that was good, but it wasn't right. You didn't share the whole gospel. And when someone says to you, hey, man, that was good, but you were wrong. How many of us are going to respond well right away? And I remember thinking, okay, where's this conversation going to go? And he said, you just, you left some parts out. You should have talked about this and 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 this. And I said, that's fair. And some of what you said is true. He encouraged me to make sure that I mentioned the repentance idea. I get that. But I also get a few of the questions I asked him. I said, okay, I I agree with you. There's some things that I should change and some things I should emphasize. But do you remember how long that Bible lesson took? He goes, no, I don't really. I said, I had 15 minutes. Do you remember the age group that we were teaching to? I didn't really pay attention. Five-year-old through sixth grade. And then I said this, do you feel like you understand the gospel better now as a man in his 60s than you did as a child who was eight? Well, yeah, definitely. Did you understand all of what you're telling me when you got saved? Well, no. We can agree to disagree. That's fine. We don't have to expound on everything. In fact, if you want a good story about kids who just share what they know, ask Pam McHugh. After Easter last week, there were some kids in her class talking, and one child said, if I remember right, Pam, they said to the other kids, what's the big deal about Easter anyway? And another child proceeded to tell them the gospel in their own words. Well, that's super complicated. Not where we would sit down and say, well, let's talk about what does it mean to be eternally secure? Well, what exactly does the word propitiation mean? But sharing what we know. And you might say, Pastor Tony, I believe there should be more. Great. At least start somewhere. Right? Don't say, I need to give it all. to. This is an ongoing conversation. Kind of like anything else with your child, right? When you talk to them and you tell them, hey, well, you don't tell them how to eat at the, at the table just one time and then it's done. Wouldn't that be nice? But it's ongoing, right? Same with, with salvation. Know how to explain your words and concepts. Hey, here's another question for you. Like what kind of words and concepts do you think it would be good to know how to explain when you're talking about salvation? Remember, we're adults. What are some of the words we would use that we might want to explain to a kid? Saved? Yeah, saved. What's another one? Eternal. That's a good one. What's another one? Sinner. Exactly. You, we sit here at Bible school, and I'll list for kids. Here's a sin. 
How many of you are sinners? No, I've never done that. Okay, it's good to explain what sin is to a child. What are some other words that would be good to explain to a child or concepts? Repentance, right? What's another one? Forgiveness. Look, I wrote up a quick list, just a small one. Sin is a good one to explain to a child what that means. Love. There are some kids who they have a skewed view of love. Would you say that love is a little bit skewed in our society? Right? How do you explain that love, unconditional love to a child? Wages. You're like, no, Tony, I know what wages is. I get a check every other week. Yeah, well, kids don't get paid for being a kid, usually. Right? Hey, you went to school. Man, I'm going to throw down 100 bucks for you. You earned that this week. That's your wages. What does the word wages mean? Hell. Most kids just know it's a bad word they're not supposed to say. And they're like, you either go to heaven or... They don't even want to say that place. Should kids, not to scare them to get saved, but should we impress upon them what could be facing them if they don't? Look, I am not for trying to scare kids into getting saved. I try to avoid that, but I'm not going to shy away from explaining what hell is. How about propitiation? Again, I think it's one of the most beautiful words in the, in the, in the Bible. And there's a picture that I'll show you in a little bit that to me encapsulates what is propitiation, forgiveness, that idea of getting saved. Or this one, you must ask Jesus into your heart, right? Most kids don't like needles. Most kids don't like doctors. Most kids don't like hospitals. So when you say to them, you have to ask Jesus to come live inside your heart. And they're like, wait, I got to go to the doctor. I understand how we use that phrase. My own children use that phrase, but at some point it needs to be explained at the beginning. And if all I'm saying to a child is, hey, you need to ask Jesus into your heart, they could walk away being like, I'm never going back to that place. That place is all about pushing surgery. They're all about health care, right? How we talk to a child, what we say, and, and let me just throw this out there. You will fail at times, and that's okay. That's okay. And if you walk away, oh, they didn't get saved. It's all my fault. Are we really the ones who saved them? No. In Calvary Clubs, we took a whole year to talk about little people and big words. Big words like love, saved, sanctification, justification, propitiation, all those other words you want to throw in there. Forgiveness, eternal, heaven, Jesus. Because Some kids haven't heard those before. But we should be sharing that with them. Know that you're not alone. Again, we get so caught up in thinking, I need to do this, but know that you're not alone. We always have the Holy Spirit as a believer. No matter who we're witnessing to, child or adult, we always have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will give you another helper. I will never leave you. I won't forsake you and be like, oh, you're really messing this up. You're on your own. God doesn't do that. Remember that we always have the Holy Spirit. We always have other Christians. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing is helping one another? Right? Are some of us here more gifted in areas than other people in those same areas? Look, if you're saying to me, Pastor Tony, I want to witness to my child. I just don't know how to do it. I would love to talk to you. I'm not going to think any less of you. I didn't know how to do it. And I've just, over time, it's kind of, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it. I will say there's other people who are better than me, but I'm not going to let that hold me back. And I would love to enable you to be able to do that. That's why even as Pastor Art said a few weeks ago, we are seeking as a culture of a church to say, this is who we should be, witnessing to other people. And if you're not sure how to do that, let's talk. Let's figure it out together. Let's encourage one another together. We are not alone. Sometimes we just think, I got to do this all by myself. We have resources in the foyer, in our offices, 
in the library, in the bookstore. Several of our classrooms have the wordless book on the wall so that you can talk it through with kids. Here's the suggestion I want to make for you. Maybe do this. Consider creating a photo album. I did this back in May of last year. Instead of trying to remember where did I put that picture, I just put put it in an album. And I just call it the gospel. Because if I have the opportunity, I have my phone, I can show kids a picture. Kids love a picture. Here's what you could do. This is the bridge, the bridge track. How many of you ever heard this, the gospel presented this way before, right? There's this chasm between us and God. He wants us with him, but we're stuck here. And I have drawn this one out over and over and over again with rocket ships trying to shoot across and falling, with trains going as fast as they could, with airplanes, anything that kids might think could go a really far distance. No matter what we do as a person, we are separated from God. Maybe this is a way that you want to present the gospel. That until we accept Jesus Christ and his death, until then, we're on our own. But once we accept, we are brought to him. He is the way. So maybe for you, you want to choose a story that you could tell. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think this is from Kingdom, Kingdom Witness or Kingdom's Witness. They make some brist, uh, brist, bracelets or wristbands that you can wear these around on. Look, it's simple. Jesus came. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. Jesus returned to heaven and Jesus will come back one day. We talked last Wednesday night with the kids about how to share the gospel with your friends. And one girl looked at that middle symbol there and she says, yeah, that's about how Jesus is the bridge. I'm not going to look at her and be like, no, that's wrong. And so I was just like, that makes a lot of sense. I haven't seen it presented that way. And that's true too. It doesn't have to be complicated. You could include something with Bible verses, explanations, that you can just walk through. You don't have to do this yourself or do it all by memory. This one's one of my favorites. Find what works for you. Use what you like. I love this picture. This to me encapsulates that idea of Jesus being the propitiation. He took punishment for us while at the same time rescuing us. We who stand before God in our own righteousness wearing filthy rags. Jesus says, I will take those for you. I will stand in your place. You can't get to God by yourself. I will save you. I will stand in front of your punishment, the wrath of God, so that you can eventually stand before him when you ask him to forgive you of your sins. This connects. Pictures connect with people. Pictures really connect with children. You're not on your own. There's lots of good resources out there more than even what I showed you. Don't feel like you have to have them all. Find some that work for you, but use them. Don't just start gathering, 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 gathering. You're like, yeah, I got a lot, but I'm not going to share. What kind of attitude is that? Remember that children can get confused. Even other people, again, not just children, but people can get confused about your words and your concepts. We mentioned that, but again, They may be taught something different at home. They may be taught something different at their other church. We have some kids who come on Wednesday nights to some of our programs. We are their second, third, or fourth church that they go to in a week. And I know we're not all teaching the same thing. That can get confusing. So just to think, well, they're coming to church, therefore they're getting it. Yeah, well, they're going to other churches too. That doesn't excuse us from individually talking with them. They can get confused about their own emotions. I'm scared. This whole hell thing, I want to get saved just because of that. So here's an interesting question I won't answer. What is the right reason to get saved? Okay, let's move on. They could be wanting your approval. Well, I really like this person. They're an adult. They've been kind to me. If I get saved, they'll still love me even more. Their parents' reaction could scare them, could encourage them. Their friends' opinions, right? 
Because it's not just adults that think about peer pressure. It's kids too. They could get confused about their own emotions. They could get confused about what they should say or do. And this one specifically when kids come to the point of choosing Jesus to forgive them of their sins. Some kids, this is all completely new. They've never heard this before. Some kids, they have never prayed before. What what does pray mean? I didn't think I'd have to explain that one when talking about salvation. We might have to talk them through it. I can't see, do I talk this way? Up? Like, do we have to stand? Do we kneel? Do we, I can get confusing. How about this one? How many of you, ready? If you want to admit it, I'm going to raise my hand. Would say that I, I'm 99% positive I got saved as a child. But I made sure after that like a million times. Right? Does that mean I need to, like, was I really saved? Was I not saved? Again, the more we understand, we almost look back. And as adults, we say, yeah, kids can't get saved. They can't understand it. How much do they need to understand to be able to repent and ask Jesus to forgive them? But kids, who they, how many times am I supposed to get saved? In fact, they get confused then about what happens next. The same idea. How many times to pray? About what happens next. I still feel the same. I have the same problems what if I sin again? A boy came to me, this was like 10 years ago. He was a neighbor boy. They don't live here anymore. And he came one Wednesday and we had been talking a, a number of times and he prayed and he got saved, okay? As best as I could understand, again, knowing his heart. He came back that next Wednesday weeping. And we go to our verse time. And he says, Pastor Tony, can I, can I talk to you? And we go out in the hallway outside the room and we're standing there and he's, and he's whispering. Nobody else is close by. And he said, am I still saved if I disobeyed mom this week? Like, do I have to do this all over again? I've been so worried that I'm not a Christian anymore. That happens to kids too. It happens to adults. Kids can get confused by that, especially when you start getting emotions involved or they're thinking, I'm supposed to get saved. Perfect life. It doesn't work that way. But yet we take time to explain that to the children. Okay? Here's just a few other suggestions as we finish up. Keep talking about the gospel we talked about it once they'll probably remember what keep talking about it take advantage of teachable moments if your kid disobeys explain to them not you disobeyed mom and dad you disobeyed god god's going to be around a lot longer than you will be in your child's life most likely point it back to him teachable moments don't hesitate to point out god's truth you know what god gave this to us talk about him over and over Don't be embarrassed if your kids are singing a Christian song in the grocery store. Isn't that who we are? At the hub of our wheel, aren't we Christians and everything else is just kind of around that? Talk about it. Make it a regular part of conversation. Between our two children, this one is Eden. We picked her up at ballet the other day. We watched her do her little dance. And um, she's gifted like her father with dance, but she's doing well. And so we were were in the car and she said to, to Christina, she goes, Mom, do you have a snack? And Eden asks for food all the time, right? That's just the way she's, I'll use the word gifted, gifted by God with that. Just, she just keeps going. And she says, mom, do you have a snack? And Christina said, actually, I forgot it this time. And Eden right away goes, dear God, would you please help mom to remember from now on? I'm so hungry. And Christina turns to talk to her. And I was like, Christina, she's praying. Wait, about what? I said, about you not bringing a snack. <laughs> that is Eden. Dad, are you feeling okay? Dear God, please help dad to feel better. And, and I'm not like a, ha, ah, that's cute. I'm like a, that's awesome. For her right now, that's who God is. 
And I'm not going to be like, Eden, no, 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 Eden, look, let's talk about this. This isn't, that's who she thinks God is. And we're trying our best, and some of you are doing way better than we are, to make God a regular part of our conversation. Isn't he the biggest part of our life? Shouldn't he be? Ask him to explain it back to you. Not just yes and no questions. Are you a sinner? Yes. Did God die for you? Yes. Do you want to get saved? Yes. Look, I love asking kids up here. Maybe you've seen the baptisms where I talk with kids. In fact, a few weeks ago, I remember Pastor Burgraff making fun of me for grilling a child about asking them to explain their salvation. But if someone can explain back to you what you've explained to them, that's kind of an indication that it's taken root, that they understand it. And that's a good way to evaluate when you're talking to people about salvation. Be patient, but don't take too long. A good friend of mine once said, look, we're making it difficult for our child to get saved. And I was like, what? Oh, yeah, now I get what you're saying. They said, our child came to ask us, and we said, well, why don't you think about it just a little bit longer before we pray and make sure you really want to. Okay, they weren't ready yet. Not that they were pushing their child away, but don't you want them to make this decision for themselves? I've had parents come to me before, and they're just, they're, uh, panicked isn't the right word, but almost on the verge, like, we were talking about salvation, and our child doesn't want to get saved. And I said, okay. Well, don't they need to be? Yes, they need to be. But don't you want it to be their decision? Don't go too fast. Like, hey, they're two and a half. They mumbled mom and they prayed to get saved. I'm not saying we have to push, 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 push. We want it to be real and we will continue to follow up, right? At the same time, after Bible school one year, there was a boy who was witnessing to a child and nobody knew where they went, okay? I mean, we, sorry, that sounds bad. They were still talking where they had gone. We knew where they were. Everything was fine. But they were talking and talking and talking. And it was at least 35 minutes they were talking with this second grader, right? And then they come later and they were like, they just don't understand the gospel. And it was like they zoned out after a while. I don't get it. How long can a kid actually pay attention? You want a quick indicator? Whatever their age is, double that. And you can almost get that many minutes, okay? So for some of you, like Pastor Tony, you blew past my minutes a long time ago. (laughs) And some of you are like, hey, I got another hour and a half. Let's keep going, okay? Encourage them to seek forgiveness. If you're going to go through this effort to say to your child, this is what we should do. Okay, let's go do this. Reel it in, right? Like bring in that fish that's on the line. If you've taken it this far, then ask them. Take advantage of the opportunity for them to pray. And they could choose to pray anywhere. Our son, the best we understand and in his mind, he finished off his prayer at Burger King on the other side of town for the food. Dear God, thank you for the food. Thank you that grandpa and grandma can be here. Amen. Oh, and by the way, would you please forgive me for being a sinner? Amen. And my parents were like, we'll see what happens. For a while, Preston was convinced he was saved. And then for like four weeks, he wasn't. All right, okay. And then all of a sudden, it was like, nope. Yeah, dad, I did that before. I prayed. I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins. For him right now, That's when his salvation was. May he have questions later? Yes, and I will embrace that. I'm not going to shy away from it and just say, no, you prayed. Grandpa and grandma were there, so obviously you did. I'm going to take him to the Bible and show him that he's a believer. Eden, a few months ago, she, again, she embraces this quicker than Preston did. She said to Christina, Mom, I know what I need to do, but can you help me practice pray before Dad comes in? So they practice prayed, Like six times. I couldn't tell you which one actually saved her. I'm just saying she practiced prayed. And then we got together and she prayed. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to Jesus. She talks about heaven. She talks about it in the way that she can as a five-year-old that is real for her. We should encourage kids to seek forgiveness. But don't stop there. Encourage kids to grow spiritually. 
I got them saved. That's good. That's enough. No, it's not. Encourage them to tell their family and friends. Again, many kids will want to, but we should encourage them to do that. Encourage them to begin studying their Bible. And I, here's my challenge to you. Help them. Don't just say, well, they're going to church. They'll get that at church. They'll learn more about Jesus at church. They got this Calvary Club book. They're learning about Jesus. Are you sure? Are you sure that your church is discipling your children? Are you sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that the school is discipling your children? Grandparents, isn't there a little bit of a sense of desire on your part to say, I want to help my grandchildren grow? And Pastor Art mentioned this phrase weeks ago. We should be disciple-making disciples, even with children. The ones in our house, the ones in our neighborhood, the ones that we interact with, the ones that we meet, the ones that we have not yet met. We should be disciple-making disciples because we should share the gospel with children. Here's a cool thought, right? God can save people without us. He can do it, but he chooses to use us, and that is a privilege. So my last question for you is this. Who are you going to tell next? It's not when, but it's who. I'll just wait for somebody. Go look for somebody. Don't just wait. It could be the people that you sit with in your family this afternoon at lunch. It could be your children. It might be you. You might be sitting here saying, you know what, Tony? I, 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 that was nice. But I think I'm actually the person that someone needs to talk to. I want you to know that when you leave today, I'm going to be waiting up here. Pastor Allen, Pastor Art are going to be out in the foyer. And if you're saying to yourself, I don't know for sure that I'm even a Christian, that I have asked Jesus to take away my sins. I don't know for sure that I have embraced the fact that he is my propitiation. And you want to talk to somebody? We would love to talk to you. You may be already a Christian saying, man, we've been talking about this for weeks. I need to do this. Can you at least pray with me? about having the desire to share my faith? Can you talk with me about knowing how to share my faith? Can you help help hold me accountable? We would love to do that with you. But I don't want you to walk away and just say, hey, that was nice. We, each one of us, not just faith Baptist, Christians should be sharing the gospel with children, parents, coworkers, coaches, neighbors, friends, families, strangers, everybody.